Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast. She Reads Truth creates beautiful, accessible Bible reading plans and resources to help you get into God's Word every day. Each week here on the podcast, we talk about what we're going to read together as a community this week. I'm your host, Amanda Bible-Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And this is week one of Lent, week one of First and Second Chronicles, week one of seven. So this is going to be a big one, guys. I think we have a lot of longtime listeners joining us, and we have a bunch of new listeners as well. We are so grateful and just so happy to have y'all. And... Who better as a guest uh, for week one of Lent for First and Second Chronicles than the one and only Lisa Harper, our beloved friend, but just such a gifted Bible teacher. Y'all may remember Lisa from four other episodes of the Series Truth podcast and then just as a beautiful uh, Bible study writer. In fact, Lisa has a new Bible study coming out next month on the book of Luke. So definitely check that out. There's just nobody like her. And I will say it here because she said it off mic after we finished recording. If you are at all intimidated by the reading that we're going to do this week, because it is a lot of genealogies, first of all, this episode is going to change your mind. But second of all, this is a sermon, not a census. Like you are going to see the Lord just preaching right to you through this genealogies. All right. That's all I got to say. Let's get right to it. Welcome back to the podcast studio, Lisa Harper. I am so happy to be with y'all. We love you. Do you I, know? I either laugh or I cry when I'm here. I <laughs> love or both. Yeah. Yeah, or both at the same time. Sometimes. Well, so far we've done both already. I know. So, yeah. Even before know. we hit record. I think that I was said, rich, wasn't it? I, I wish we had hit record and just let everybody pray with us. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I mean, true. listen. Pray. It would be yes. a long podcast episode. Here's what I love. To, if, I can, if I can be so rude and interrupt y'all. Uh-huh. Here's what I love about She Reads Truth. It is not rote. It Mm, is community. And he did that from the very beginning with y'all. And so whenever I get to come here, it's, Mm. you know, we're not just doing a thing. Yeah. We're community moving toward Jesus, limping toward Jesus together. Yeah. That's I yeah. love the way y'all do that. This you is not model it, you a teach performance. it. Uh-uh. No, our friendships, both the three of us and individually across the table in all the directions, is fruit of the community that God established yeah. as yeah. Shiri's Truth. That's right. Yeah. It's pretty it is. amazing. Well, I said as you walked in, Lisa, my eyes are happy because I can see you. <laughs> Just felt good to like my, have my you in the eyes, My eyes are happy leaking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know that you've been, this is your fifth podcast episode? No. That's a oh, lot. I'm so excited you let fun? me come back. Thank you. But it's been over a year, so it was time. It's too long. I don't know how we managed to let you wait that long. This is, I will back. not let that happen again. I'll start blowing your phone up. <laughs> also, this is not just your fifth episode. It is your third Lent episode with us. <gasps> Is that true? I didn't mm-hmm. realize that. Yeah, you did Lent 2020 with us really? and Lent 2021. Huh, evidently, I still need to learn something. I guess. I don't know. You know I've always we'll been a little bit a of a slow hitter. learner. Yeah. Hardly. Hardly. Yeah. It's I, our... I, I've loved every episode with y'all, but I, the one I remember the most because of where we were is Christmas, getting yeah. to do Advent with y'all. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Advent's that was, always sweet. I love Advent with y'all. Mm. Y'all are always in our house at Advent because mm. the Advent cards are Missy's favorite thing. I love your house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need, y'all Missy. need to come back. I know. <laughs> Well, this is our first Lent kickoff with you, though. Awesome. We've yeah. never kicked off Lent. We've graduated to okay. kick off okay. position. Yeah. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh-huh. Get excited. I think there's probably a fair amount of people listening who are either saying what to themselves, yeah. well, what is Lent, mm-hmm. or, or why Why are we mm-hmm. observing Lent? Mm-hmm. And additionally, why First and Second Chronicles for Lent? Mm-hmm. I mean, that is an excellent question, and I'm excited for us to answer that. Is that is what we would call an exegetical stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Get your stretch bands out. We're going. That's right. Let's go. That's right. All right. So let's, let's start. Lent. Yeah. I mean, Lisa, I love to ask the guests. For our friends listening who are maybe a little bit familiar or not yeah. at all familiar, give us a little 101 on Lent. Okay. Lent is, I'm going to put it in the context of Advent, if that's okay. I love that. Mm -hmm. Because I grew up in a church tradition. My mom was Baptist of the Bone. My dad was, he was a pew jumper. So I kind of grew up Bapticostal. And neither church, my parents divorced when I was little, that I worshiped with my mom or my dad, neither church practiced Advent or Lent. Okay. And so it wasn't until I was in college and then post-college went to seminary that I went, oh, I thought these were only 
kind of for certain denominations or doctrines. And I begin to go, oh, my goodness, I love this because it is really a practice of preparing yourself for the pinnacles of our faith as Christians. One is Jesus incarnate Christ. He came to earth for us. He didn't lose deity when he took on humanity. I love that J.I. Packer says that. I'm a mm. huge Packer fan. I want tattoos on my calves of J.I. Packer Not quotes. Green Bay Packers. Um, not Green Bay <laughs> Packers. J.I. Packer's great theologian. But but Advent is when we prepare ourselves for okay. Christmas, for the birth of Christ. Lent is when we prepare ourselves for Easter, for the crucifixion and the resurrection. Yeah. And so it's really those, I think it's 40 days, those 40 days prior to Easter when we prepare our hearts, oftentimes you give up something, not in a punitive manner, but just to quicken your spirit to go, okay, I'm going to set aside sugar or caffeine, or I'm going to start fasting lunch. I'm giving up something so that the part of my heart, mind, even belly that would be preoccupied with that, I'm going to really focus on, oh, my Goodness. Mm -hmm. He set down his scepter in glory, and he came to earth knowing he'd be picking up a wet towel to wash our nasty feet, knowing ultimately he would walk up a hill called Golgotha and stretch out his arms and die for us. I want to prepare my heart to actually be in the posture of celebrating resurrection. And so Lynn is when we get ready. Lynn is also Mm -hmm. remembering. And I don't think our culture does very well at remembering. We're kind of bad at that. We are not great at remembering. I'm kind of bad at that. Oh, me too. In biblical narrative, they would set up in the Old Testament Ebenezer's. Mm -hmm. We talked about that Mm -hmm. a few minutes ago off mic. They would set up memorials made of stones so that when their kids said, what's this big pile of rocks about, they would go, oh, my goodness, let us tell you what God did yeah, for us. That's a story for you. That right. That's yeah. right. So this season, this calendar season of Lent is really a very practical memorial yeah. to go, this is what He has done for us. Yes. I think too many people think of Lent as, what are you going to give up? Right. And it becomes performative. It becomes uh-huh. almost transactional. Very easily. Agreed. And yes. And it's not transactional. Yes. It is actually relational. Yes. Yes. Well, and I love like that you brought up Advent, Lisa, because there's really a couple of Advents at play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have that first Advent, that first coming of Jesus. That's right. And Lent is really the thing that sets yeah. the stage exactly. for the second Advent. Exactly. And I think that, like, to go, like, these are both kind of about Advent in a different way, right, in, a, in a one very real core way. I don't think you can really get Christmas without the hermeneutical lens of Easter yeah. mm-hmm. and vice versa. I don't think you really get Easter without the fact that He chose to come for us. He was not a white elephant gift. Jesus was God's plan (laughs) from the beginning. That's Frankly, that's Chronicles. Yeah, Chronicles is a reset. Chronicles is a Lent of sorts. God reminding His people, I came for you. You're precious to me. The promises I gave you are still intact. That's right. You know, there was discipline, but the promises for you. And so Lent for us, I think there, for many of us that have gotten so busy or so sad the last couple of years, what's yeah. gone on personally and globally yeah. with COVID and and all of the, you know, just so much of the divide over political issues yeah, and racial division. There yes. has been a heaviness. I think Lent for all of us can be a reset, a remembering. Yes. Our God That's loves good. us. Our God is good. Yeah. Remember, Amanda, what we said before this about some things you and I are both struggling with. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Hmm. Yeah. It's the perennial supernatural. It will be Okay. And not Amen. meaning that like our circumstances are magically going to be different no. in a day or a week or a month or 10 years, but that Jesus is who he said he is, right. that our God is today who he has always been and always will be, right. and that his promises hold. Right. Yeah. Even returning from exile That's right. and, you know, and trying to figure out what here Israel is, and they are returning to Jerusalem from all over. Oh, it's not yeah. like they were all in one pack Mm-mm. and they just all traveled together at no, the same time. The to one. They yeah. were all over, and they're coming back together, and they're like, who are we're God's people? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. How do we live our life? Mm-hmm. And how do, how does that affect believe? me today? That's yeah. right. Because there's do, you've yes. got a ton of people listening to this podcast, you know, picking up their kids from school, driving their kids, going to work, drinking Starbucks, just going, What does this matter to me today? That's right. And it's like it matters 
more than you can even imagine. Let me give you a picture. As I was praying last night about coming to be with y'all, I was distracted because Missy had some homework that she had not finished that I thought she had finished. Mm. And it turned into a little bit of a, I will call it an emotional kerfuffle. (laughs) And at one point, I just had to kind of go, honey, 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 look at me. Because mm-hmm. she's 13, mm-hmm. so we've got an, an abundance of beautiful hormones. Mm-hmm. And she had gotten all worked up. And finally, I put my hands on the side of her face, and I just tilted her face toward me, and I said, Hey, honey, honey, it's going to be okay. Look at me. Mm-hmm. Lent is God himself mm-hmm. effectively putting his hands on the side of our face, going, Look at me. That's mm-hmm. right. Look at me. It's a reset. It's a remembering. It's a preparation, but it's intimately relational with the yes. one who loves us more than we can possibly ask or imagine. Yeah, I love that, Lisa. I I think that you've said a couple of things in the last. I don't know. You say a lot of things in a little bit of time. It is a delight. <laughs> That's called verbose. It's Rachel. amazing. No, <laughs> the economy of words is it's, pretty awesome. Yeah. actually. But even just kind of like as you've described Lent and that like that remembering and that leading up. I think that I sometimes make the mistake of thinking of Lent historically as something to prepare me for Good Friday, mm-hmm. to mm. something to lead me to the cross. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I've even said— And we said, use that language And I think I've lot. even said that language, and I don't mm-hmm. think it's wrong, because no, I no, think no. that there's something really important that's about part, being— That's part of Lent. That is like one of the core parts right. of Lent. Right. Yes. And I think that I sometimes forget— that mm. Lent is also leading me to the empty grave. That's right. It, That's right. That like I'm the girl who needs, you know, I'm thinking it's the cross, it's the cross, which it is. Yes. And I feel like there is this part of Lent that I don't want to miss this right. year or right. any year right. of God lifting my chin right. and going, mm-hmm. it's going to be okay, not right. be- because of the cross. Right. And... Because it didn't end with the cross. It didn't end with the cross. Yeah, that's right. I love the picture of you and Missy, Lisa, because part of the beauty of that moment is that you, as Missy's mom, you see her, truly see her, and you know her. Even the untidy parts or like the, you know, I said I did my homework, but I didn't do my homework. (laughs) Um, But like when the Lord, our God, sees us and knows us, and part of Lent is acknowledging who we are before right. Him and that we are sinners, mm-hmm. right? and we are made in His image, mm-hmm. and His love for us is boundless, mm-hmm. and it is consistent and deep, and it defines mm-hmm. who He is, right? Mm-hmm. And... This story that we're talking about, this remembering the story of who God is and who we are as His people and how He loves us and what that means, Mm -hmm. part of rehearsing that is not pretending that we are not sinners. (laughs) Exactly. You know, and so the part of the introspective part of Lent Mm -hmm. that you already mentioned, like the giving up, you know, because some of that giving up is not physical. It's just like, okay, I'm mentally and emotionally going to lay down my pretenses right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to acknowledge that I needed you to come. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. And I would have nothing if you hadn't. Yeah. That every good thing is from the Father and that our very salvation is intrinsically tied to this story that we're rehearsing together. And there's such a sweetness in the sacrifice. I don't know if this will make sense. If it doesn't, Rach, edit this out. But (laughs) um, you know when you go to the Southern Steps in Israel— And those are the steps, of course, that are pre-Jesus. So they're Herodian. That's where God told David when he gave him the blueprint of the temple, I want you to make those steps that every Israelite man will walk up when he comes into worship. I want you to make them uneven Uh because I want people to have to stop. I don't want them to be able to run up those steps rote. I don't want them to be able to not stop and think. Mm -hmm. So I want you to make the steps uneven. So they actually have to pause. There's almost a physical sailor Mm -hmm. in it. They have to stop and be careful or they'll stumble Mm. because the steps are uneven. We have a step that whoever built my house was not a real contractor. And (laughs) there's a step as you're going up to the second story that is so off that if you aren't being careful, you will trip. And I 
I so often will take think of the steps going up at the temple in Jerusalem. Hmm. God did that because He loves His people. Yeah, He wasn't being cruel. He said, "I know you. I know you'll get distracted yeah. by the everydayness of life, and so I love you so much. I don't want you to miss." What I have for you. So I'm going to make the steps uneven mm. so that your heart is actually open to worship when you walk into my house mm. because I want to hold you. I That's want right. to tell you how much I love you and you'll yeah. miss it mm-hmm. if you don't pause. The pause of Lent is not because God wants us to remember what stinkers we are again. Yeah. It's not a punitive pause. It's a, I don't want you to miss how much I love you. Yes. I love you so much. I sent my only begotten son. Yeah. And he willingly walked up Golgotha and stretched out his arms Mm -hmm. because I love you so much. Don't miss that. Yeah. Don't miss that. So there's a sweetness, I think, all too often— in America, and I know you got a, not a lot of other people listening, but in America, evangelical communities, we're such stinking doers. We're like, okay, I did my Lent. What are you giving up? I'm giving up. And I'm like, y'all, you're missing— I made myself feel terrible yeah. for seven weeks. You're I'm missing good. the relational yeah. aspect of it. He wants okay. us to get His compassion. Yes. And so Lent, in a way, tenders our hearts yeah. for something even better. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. It's not a spanking. It's not discipline. It's the kindness of God that we remember. See how much yeah. I love mm-hmm. you. Yeah. How much I loved you and love mm-hmm. you. And so when you open a book, which we'll preface, but I'll say now, even when you open a book like First Chronicles right. and you see nine chapters of genealogies and right. you maybe even have a bad attitude about right. it, if you ask what? that question— you know, how is God showing me that He loves me? Mm-hmm. Well, that's nine chapters of spilled ink saying, that's right. I have been planning your rescue since Adam. That's right. Yeah. That's Let me exactly show you. Right. I actually really that's want right. you to see this. Yeah. I want that's to right. spell it out for you. That's right. Yeah. yeah. A lot of times when we kind of encapsulate Lent and just like a few words around here, it will be remember, mm-hmm. repent, mm-hmm. but also Proclaim, mm. right? Like remember and proclaim, right. and so it's that good. like if we stop short of that proclaiming, both to ourselves and to the world, mm-hmm. yeah. that God is faithful and He is a God who keeps His promises. Yeah, he does. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. And that is our hope. We have that same hope mm-hmm. that God who keeps His promises as the people who first heard the book of Chronicles, mm-hmm. right? The books. Mm-hmm. Book, mm-hmm. books, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But okay, let's shift gears a little bit. So in terms of why we're reading Chronicles for Lent, there are a few reasons. Mm-hmm. One is that it's in the Bible. <laughs> That'd be our first reason. That's right. Mm-hmm. And all of Scripture is about Jesus. God-breathed. Mm-hmm. And it's all God-breathed, mm-hmm. and it's all useful. But also, I mean, you've already hit on it. Like, the book of Chronicles is about remembering who we are and well, a reset. Yeah, and in light of what they'd been through, and I'm not going to spoiler alert, you go there, Rachel, but in light of no, what you, they I mean, have sure. endured, okay. many of them had forgotten. Yeah. Yes. And so, because some had. people will say, well, goodness gracious, isn't Chronicles repeating what was in Second Samuel, First and Second Kings? Mm-hmm. Why, yeah, why are they giving us yeah. the same material? In my opinion, to understand the love story that we call the Bible, we are compelled to go back to the original context. Otherwise, you just right. you don't get the depth of it. You don't get the compassion of mm-hmm. it. And so to understand, yeah, sometimes the material may look the same, but the audience was different. And the context of the original audience that received these words were different. These people who are receiving these words for the first time in First and Second Chronicles, they've been in captivity in Babylon mm-hmm. for 70-ish years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 70 years is a long dadgum time. That's I'm going right. to be 60 this summer. It's a lifetime. It's a lifetime. And all they've known is, I'm an alien and stranger. Mm -hmm. My home in Israel, I've been taken away from Israel. Mm -hmm. I've been taken away by people who do not respect me or my God. Mm -hmm. And God must have forsaken me. And based on the oral tradition that my great-great-great-great-grandmom and granddaddy have told me, my ancestors thumb their nose at God. So we deserved to be disciplined. So they've been in a pretty dark place. Yeah. They, hopefully, some have repented, but 
remember is not part of their repertoire. Yeah. 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 And so God starts by reminding them. He, that's what he does at the beginning of the book. That's right. Right if they come into captivity in Egypt and they're sitting there in the sand of Sinai, shell-shocked because they've just seen the Red Sea parted. And we always think that's happy clappy. I'm like, no, 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 that's traumatizing. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, snap. That All was those guys just got yeah. swallowed up. We were there. And then the kids were killed. Or, ah, there were frogs. Right. I mean, they're so discombobulated. Mm-hmm. And where does he start? Mm-hmm. He says, I made you in my image. Hmm. He goes all the way back to identity. Mm-hmm. He gives them Genesis after they have already been out of captivity. Sometimes we get the chronology of Scripture mixed up. He keeps telling them stories to go, I want you to remember who you are. Mm-hmm. The first thing he does when they come out of this second captivity in Babylon is, let me remind you, you are mine. Yes. I've loved you from the mm-hmm. very beginning. I've set a seal on you. Yes, you've been disciplined because a good parent disciplines their children. I don't let Missy play in the street. When she first came home from Haiti, she didn't know. She'd never right. been around cars, never been around traffic. That wasn't punitive. That's I don't want my kid to be hit by a car. Mm-hmm. So he says, there has been discipline, and in mm-hmm. your discipline— Y'all may have forgotten how much I love you. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start at the very beginning, and I'm going to tell you from the very beginning, I've loved you, mm-hmm. I've loved you, I've loved you. Yeah. I haven't forgotten a single name. You know what he did forget <laughs> in First and Second Chronicles? They don't talk about David's affair uh-huh. mm-hmm. with Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. You go, so in a way, even that, what yeah. is omitted in Chronicles is, I'm not going to talk about your sin anymore. You've already been disciplined. Now I'm going to talk to you about promise. I'm going to mm-hmm. talk to you about yeah. how much I love you. I'm going to give you a reset so you remember yeah. you're in relationship with me. I will take care of you. That's right. That's right. I mean, that's the title of our Lent study of First and Second Chronicles is Your People Forever. Mm-hmm. And so I hear in what you're saying, it's like the Lord saying, you are my people mm-hmm. yeah. forever. Forever. And that's one of the things that we'll see throughout these books, this set of books, is that God's people, though they've been scattered, though right. their identity has been more than shaken and challenged, that He is gathering them, gathering them, and that they are one. They're one. They are. Do you one remember people. this takes place at almost the exact same time chronologically as Malachi does? Okay. okay. Or if you're from an Italian background, Malachi. It's you know it's <laughs> post exilic. Okay. So they have come back from this yep. this discipline period when you know Judah has been taken away. Now it's they're coming back to Jerusalem, and you remember in Malachi that's called rhetorical disputation. They argue with God. Mm-hmm. They're same people, mm-hmm. same people who are getting this story. They're fussing with God, and one of the things they say to God in Malachi is, "If you're such a good God." And why do our lives look like this? Right. I mean, this this isn't what we expected. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what he says to them in Malachi, again, same context, same time period, what he says in Malachi is, I, the Lord, do not change mm-hmm. so that you, mm. descendants of Jacob, will not be destroyed. Mm. So instead of giving them what they deserve, which would be another timeout, mm-hmm. what he does is remind them, my compassion for you is immutable. Doesn't change. Yeah, that's right. I loved you from the beginning of time. I love you now. Mm-hmm. You have not lost my love, even in the captivity. Mm-hmm. I was always with you. So there's this. It's not even just remembering. There's a galvanizing. Mm-hmm. There's this. Oh, that's right. We're God's people. Yeah. He loves us. There's this. You see hope beginning yeah. to bubble yeah. up in First and Second Chronicles. It's that yeah. pointing out of like, your relationships are broken to the left, to the right, right. up right. and down. The common denominator is right. you. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. I have I've not heard changed. that a time or two in yeah. therapy, Rachel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's, let's see. Yeah. yeah. And that hope, that tone that we get in Chronicles is another thing that distinguishes it a little bit from, certainly from Kings, but also right. from Samuel, mm-hmm. from right. First Second Kings and First Second Samuel, is that this is, it's a lot more straightforward, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, I'm reminding you, and we're going somewhere. Right. You know? And I feel like First and Second Samuel is more the why. It talks mm-hmm. through the monarchies of Judah, good, yeah. but it's almost more the why of it sets up mm-hmm. Babylon. This is, all right, we've already talked about the why. Now let's get to the result. Mm-hmm. You were disciplined. Now you're gathered back, and I'm rebuilding you as my people, and I'm restoring your hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, speaking of remembering and all of these things, I think it also helps me. I still need to be reminded 
that thing that we say about, you know, that scripture, yes, it is for us now. But I mm-hmm. think like even what you guys have been saying about like this book was written so that the original audience mm-hmm. would remember mm-hmm. and to like even for me to enter it in that context and yes. mindset right. first is really helpful to me. Yes. Right. Because suddenly the genealogies aren't like, oh my goodness, nine chapters of genealogies. Admittedly, right. that is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Mm-hmm. But also, Good. can you imagine mm-hmm. how that felt? Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine Too- hearing your name, yes. the gatekeepers, for the very first time? Nobody knows the names of the gatekeepers. Yeah. And yet they're the ones opening the doors mm-hmm. day after day after day yes. so that God's people can engage mm-hmm. with God. And he remembers their name. Yes. Calls them by name. Yeah. Yes. And having been scattered, and like you think about the implications of that, it's not like, well, it couldn't have been tidy. This whole tribe went here, and this right. whole tribe right. went here. Like they were all over. Right. And so for them to see, or hear rather, how like, oh, here are the tribal divisions and all 12 tribes right. called out. Right. Like there's nobody. Nobody is missing mm. right. in the big context of like God's people. We are all right. God's people, all Israel. Mm-hmm. And so I made a note somewhere as I was, you know, reading and studying this and thinking like, oh, this doesn't mean a lot to me. Admittedly, mm-hmm. like reading through these names doesn't mean a lot to me. It meant a lot mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what means a lot to me, you know, mm-hmm. like to remember that. Hey friends, Rachel here. I am pressing pause really quickly on this episode with Lisa, which is wonderful to make sure that you know that the very best way to fully participate in this She Reads Truth Lent reading plan is with a She Reads Truth study book. Now I know the plan has already started. Today is day one if you're listening to this on the day it releases, but don't worry, we can ship to you quickly. You can order today and we have seven weeks of Lent for you to be in the books of First and Second Chronicles with us and with the She Reads Truth community. That means you get a podcast every Monday morning and you get scripture in your hands every single day. And if you don't want to wait for shipping, we also have digital study books. So you can have that today if you want to. And I will tell you, yes, you can look on the app, look on the website. Those things are available to you to get that Bible reading plan but in the study book is the richest experience. In fact, one of my very favorite things in the study book is coming up, there's this illustration and exploration of Solomon's temple. It's a big gatefold out of the book and you're gonna get to really understand better than I've ever understood what Solomon's temple looked like and how it worked. There is a really cool deep dive in the study book about Christ's role as prophet, priest, and king. And of course, there's a really good thorough introduction to the season of Lent and to the books of First and Second Chronicles. These are all things that you get in the study book on top of all of everyday scripture right there in your hands curated for you. The study book is the best experience and we would love for you to join us in that way if you can. Head to shopshereadstruth.com and you can find out everything there is to know about study books and digital and physical. And other than that, let's just get right back to this amazing conversation with Lisa. First word of the book, Adam. Adam. I know. Back I know. to Genesis, here we go. From the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. That Adam to Abraham section is really something. So y'all listening will be, you know, you know our podcast. And if you don't, let me give you like a real quick reminder or informational session. The She Reads Truth podcast is not intended to be your Bible reading checked box for the day or for the week. Our hope when we record this podcast and when you listen to it and when we listen back because we still learn new things from Mm -hmm. it is that this gets you excited to read the chapters ahead of you this week with the community, with your community. And then also we love to model Christians having conversations about what they're reading in Scripture because we hope this isn't the only conversation that happens around these first nine chapters of mm-hmm. First Chronicles. I mm-hmm. hope that you turn to your community and have those conversations. So even as you know, the three of us at this table are opening our Bibles or our study mm-hmm. books, in this case, to the first chapter of First Chronicles, I hope that this conversation, if you don't 
read your Bible this week. We haven't done our jobs. <laughs> that is how I feel. Yeah. So please be readers this week, not just listeners. Yeah. That's right. That's and right. what you said really is a mouthful, too, that you said it starts with Adam. Yeah. Because if you talk to us about forward, it. You know, I know most of us get to genealogies and we're like, ugh. I mean, so many names. my hand in a blender. You know, <laughs> let, me, let me skip over this and get to a good part where Jesus does cartwheels or there's some narrative, there's some story I can <laughs> mm-hmm. remember. And we forget that he gave the genealogies for a reason. They're they're almost like the coach gathering the team together and them remembering, that's right, that's right, we're the Trojans, we're the—it's them getting (laughs) fired up. We're all wearing the same jersey before he sends them out missionally. It's a galvanizing thing. But him starting with Adam is even significant because if you look at the genealogies in Matthew and Luke— That's right. Matthew, of course, goes back to Abraham because his audience is Jewish. Mm -hmm. Luke is the only Gentile author of Scripture— Luke goes back to Adam, yep. so that someone who wasn't in one of the twelve tribes goes, "Oh, I'm in. I'm in God's people too." A lot of times we skip over that in Chronicles. The inclusivity yes. of Adam in it really would have made more sense yes. had he started with Abram, mm-hmm. and he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He goes all the way back to Adam, going from the very beginning. All people. Yeah have been my people. That's I think that's, like you said, in the Old Testament, that's unusual and hugely significant. Yeah, yeah. And it's a preview of everything that's coming right. with Jesus in oh, the yeah. New Testament. It's, yeah. it, it really is almost a nod to the gospel because yeah. it's the largesse of God because he's speaking to the theocracy right. of Israel, mm-hmm. but his arms are wider even than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's so good. Yeah, I love that, Adam to Abraham section. And then even we get, there's not a lot, when we do our reading plans, we have supplemental passages mm-hmm. um, to connect the dots around Scripture. And there are so many words in First and Second Chronicles <laughs> that you'll notice as you guys read through your study books that there are fewer words spent for the supplemental passages. But I just, I love, I actually went back after reading through the week, went back and looked just at those, and you can see, it's like they did it on purpose. You can see how the team just pulled out these themes, mm-hmm. right? And so on day one, as we read the first chapter of First Chronicles, we get Psalm 119.90, your faithfulness is for all generations. Mm-hmm. You established the earth, Genesis, and it stands firm. Mm-hmm. And then this, Galatians 3.16, now the promises were spoken to Abraham and his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, plural, mm-hmm. as though referring to many, but referring to one and mm-hmm. to your seed who is Christ. So even that is planting mm-hmm. that theme of all people mm-hmm. through one man. That's right. Right? That's right. Through That's right. Jesus. That's right. And it's just, it's beautiful. It is. If you could recognize, because again, I think we look at genealogies and our minds tend to wander. Mm-hmm. But if you think, if you're among that original audience and you see your name there and you hear your family, we went to my second trip to Israel, which I think was 2004. And I was with a really small group. There were just like 35 of us, mostly from Nashville. And one of the women had told us that her great aunt had been in one of the camps, one of the concentration camps, and she said her history had just trailed off. They assumed she had died at Auschwitz, but they could not prove it. Hmm. And she said, you know, I, I know it would be kind of a, a needle in a haystack, but I just I just wish I could find something out for my grandmother about my great aunt and for her mother. And she said, we were talking about this on the bus on the way to Yad Vashem. Mm-hmm. And Yad Vashem, mm-hmm. you know, of course, is the memorial, the Holocaust memorial. And there's this point, if you remember in Yad Vashem, where you go through and there's one candle, but it's reflected through these mirrors thousands and thousands of times. And as you go through this dark part lit just by that one candle, the names of all the millions of Jews who died during the Holocaust is being read. Mm-hmm. You're in that for maybe 10 minutes, 15 at the very most, and there's 6 million names. As <laughs> still can't believe God did this. As we're going through, group in Nashville, we're in there. Our little 15-minute time, her aunt's name that's yeah. very unique is read. Mm. And I didn't know what had happened because she collapsed behind me, and I just thought— 
you know, maybe she didn't yeah. have enough sugar, was hypoglycemic or something. We get out, and she is sobbing. Oh. But it wasn't a sad cry. It was a, oh, my God, oh, my God, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. Well, out of all those names, he gave me the one name that I had prayed we wow. get clarity. To me, that's Chronicles. Mm. It's this huge, it's nine chapters of names, and some of them are stinking hard to pronounce. Mm -hmm. But something. you think how personal that is uh -huh. for God to know their names. And that's our story. If you're in Christ, the God of the universe speaks yeah. your name. Yeah. We can't forget how personal this is. Yeah. Yeah. There's also some, as we kind of turn the pages through these chapters. Yeah. Actually, Lisa, I see that you have... It's interesting. I can't wait to see... We're all open to the same page, and I have something that stuck out to me, and I see that you've got something marked, and Amanda has something marked, and I'm just <laughs> so curious if we have something... First Chronicles 5? I'm actually in 6. Like okay. The, the, no, the thing all that I it, like yeah. is that we're noticing different things. Yeah. The thing that I noticed in chapter 6, right at the beginning, this like laying out of the Levites, you yeah. know, it begins with Levi's sons, and we quickly find our way to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, and I yeah. do the quick counting, and I'm like, okay, so Levi was Moses' great-grandfather. Mm -hmm. I think of them as so much further apart. Right. And uh, you think about, <laughs> well, okay, Levi sold his brother in slavery right. to right. Egypt. Right. And, you know, then Joseph eventually rules Egypt, right. and everybody comes. We know the story. Right. But that Moses from Levi, like, is the leader of the Exodus out of this slavery. Yeah. It feels like it's generations away. And yeah. we know in Exodus it says— about 200 years, but like still, mm -hmm. like it was fresh and new to me to mm -hmm. see it laid out this way. Yeah. 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 But talk to me about what you've got because I want to. Well, you go first. I've been talking so much. You go first, Amanda. No, I'm listening to what you're saying and nodding, Rachel, and thinking, and Aaron, the yeah. first priest. The like, first priest. Mm -hmm. And and so Thank I you. love yes. how this, just a little behind the curtain here, I did a little more study and mm -hmm. like researching in addition to reading than I would normally do to prepare for the podcast. Because one of the beautiful things that we love about what we get to do is that we truly are just opening our Bibles and reading. We want right. to show up like <laughs> right. everyone else. Right. Like we're right. just yes. showing up to uh -huh. Scripture because we believe that we're invited to do that. And that's right. remarkable. And we're excited about it. So here we are. But I was feeling a little blah about the genealogies. <laughs> and and then was listening to a scholar, a chronicle scholar, talk about how even the genealogies reflect the full book. Right. And how, you know, the right. these sections on the tribe of Judah and the line of David, and then also the Levites and the mm -hmm. lineage of Levi, how there's mm -hmm. these sections are more robust because it's bringing out like there's a king coming. Right. You know, and right. coming from David, and there is to be a temple and a worship and a restoring right. of the word. Right. And so, you know, that we get into, because you're going through names, 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 and then it gets to Aaron's descendants, and we get like a little bit of narrative of like right. color commentary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, their relatives, the Levites, were assigned to all the service of the tabernacle, God's temple. And it's more than just the names. And it's oh, not, yeah. it's not because it really is. they matter more. It's because God's doing something. He's doing something. And there's, I love that you went to Moses, that you went mm -hmm. to, okay, it points us to temple. It points us ultimately to Jesus. Yes. Scripture is always moving us toward the true north of Jesus, always. That's yes. why he says to the men on the road to Emmaus, all that is about me. Yeah. Yeah. From Torah, from Pentateuch, all the way through the prophets, all that is about me. What struck me about First Chronicles 5, and again, I'm a little bit of a genealogy nerd, but I didn't used to be until I started to see the stories represented by the names. Yes. You know, you hear, That's right. I hear names now. If I hear a name that sounds like Missy's surname in Creole, oh. I'm like, Do you, where are you from? Where are you from in Haiti? Yeah. Because that represents my child. Yeah. It matters yeah. to me. And sometimes we're dissociated from some of the names you read in yeah. a genealogy and scripture because we forget, this is my family. Yeah. And you start going, oh my goodness, we'll pay hundreds of dollars to tinkle <laughs> in a test tube now to find out. <laughs> I think you actually spit, but it sounded more colorful to say tinkle. I haven't done it to find out, you know, my great, great, whoever, yeah. whoever was from wherever. I'm like, know. oh my goodness, scripture's telling us these stories. And because we don't get an immediate fix, we get bored. 
And I'm like, hmm. read between the lines. It is mm-hmm. so redemptive. Very beginning. Hmm. Is it okay if I say the verse? Yeah. yeah. Very beginning of First Chronicles 5, it says, these, these were the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel. He was the firstborn, but his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, son of Israel. Okay, that tells a huge story. You've already said Levi. They threw their brother Joseph in a pit. Their brother Joseph bragged a lot about his coat because it was really cool and trended and had a lot of colors. <laughs> Most of us remember that uh-huh. story. We forget that Joseph had two sons. His sons were Ephraim and Manasseh. Now, they're listed in Chronicles. What Chronicles doesn't clarify, you kind of have to know the rest of the story, is they're half-tribes because they are not the sons of Jacob. The right. sons of Jacob are the original 12 tribes. So Manasseh and Ephraim are considered half-tribes. Well, remember when Joseph went in, Joe goes home, Jacob calls him home. This is after he's returned from Egypt. Remember the whole story. And he calls him home, and he wants to bless Joseph's sons. Joseph, many-colored guy. Mm-hmm. Jacob, he's the one who had the 12 boys, and some of them were Snickers. So Jacob says, I want to bless your sons. Well, in their culture, your firstborn son, that's a huge deal. They lived under the law of primogeniture. So only the firstborn son inherits the father's estate. So firstborn sons were everything. Joseph brings his boys in. By then, Jacob is losing his sight. He's probably wearing thick bifocals, Mm -hmm. and he's got cataracts. And he crosses his arms. Do you remember this? Mm -hmm. It's in Genesis 48. Genesis Mm -hmm. 48 says, And Israel, because that's Jacob's other name, so, and Israel and or Jacob, stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And then after his dad does this, Joseph goes, Dad, Dad, you messed up. Actually, 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 you shouldn't have blessed Manasseh because he's my second son. Actually, you got confused. You can't see. That's cool, Dad. Just uncross your arms because Ephraim is my firstborn. He's the one who gets the blessing. That is called a hapax legomenon. Isn't that a cool cool phrase? (laughs) Hapax legomenon. That just means in a corpus, in a book, in something like the Bible or something like if you're just reading the Iliad and the Odyssey, if it only happens one time, one single time, it's called a hapax legomenon. It's a big deal. The only time ever in Scripture— Someone crosses, intentionally crosses their arms to bless the second son happens with Ephraim and Manasseh. And when Joe goes, Dad, you didn't, you didn't do this right. He goes, No, I did it exactly the way I wanted to do it. I am blessing your second born with the blessing of the firstborn. Now, he wasn't dissing Ephraim. Ephraim still gets a lot of cool stuff, but he said, I don't want Manasseh to be missed. In other words, there is no junior varsity Mm. in the economy of God. Will you read that in Chronicles? Mm -hmm. And what that says to people who go, well, nobody's ever known my name. Mm. I don't feel like anybody would ever stand up for me. I feel like I have been missed, passed over, completely invisible. What God is saying through this story is, no, even those who culture would dismiss, Mm. God will not miss you. That's really the story of Chronicles. That's why we do Lent, is to remember yeah. He will not miss you. You are not invisible to our God. He will put His hands on the faces of every single one of us and say, remember how much I love you. Remember how much I love you. You are not a secondborn. Yeah. You're not lesser than. You're not passed over. I will cross my arms to make sure you remember you didn't miss the blessing. I mean, Lisa, mm. is it Tell me if this is heretical in any way. I <laughs> <laughs> can't wait. But isn't that what Jesus does? Exactly. Doesn't that he cross his exactly. arms? Exactly. Like, he, exactly. these are my blood people, and these Gentiles and these are just Gentiles are ju- just That's why invited. he goes back to Adam. Yeah. And it's not—I just got dinged by my professor a year ago, so I'll ding you with it, because I always tease and say, and I'm, I'm an unintentional heretic. Uh-huh. And he said, that's <laughs> actually—you can't be a heretic because— Heresis, what the root word in Greek is intentionally That's good. leading yeah, somebody away from the yeah. truth. So, thank you for that. So, because I all the time that. call myself a heretic because my mind is finite. Stuff leaks through. I don't know everything. You get these big I, ideas and you're yeah, like, yeah, oh, and I, I mispronounce and I miss, or I'll hear something I said <laughs> yeah. on an earlier podcast and I go, oops, oh, sorry, no, y'all. I was a little off on that. Yeah. 
So we can be wrong, sincerely wrong. Holy Spirit mm. will correct us. I say anytime you filter the mind of God and the Word of God through the mind and the mouths of mm. mere people, it's going to get distorted at some level. Mm-hmm. But you, beautiful Rachel, are not a heretic because you don't intentionally <laughs> you. <laughs> um, try to take us away from the true north of Jesus. Yes, I just that's love the gospel. Picturing Jesus he crossing crosses his, arms. his arms and he says, none of you. None of you get less than mm. my the largesse of my love is for all of you. I had a professor like two years ago, one of my last professors at Denson. He came through our class, and it's a doctoral class. We're all kind of serious, and I'm just hoping to get the answers right for the test. And he starts class, and he comes in front of my desk. There's only like twelve of us in this class. Have I told you the story? Oh, no. He comes up to me. It's the very beginning of class, and he goes, "Lisa," and I'm like. Yes, sir. And he goes, do you know, and he's real serious, making eye contact, hands on my desk, you're God's favorite. And I was flustered. Because there's 11 of my peers sitting next to me, and they've worked as hard as I have. And I feel a little awkward. I was like, (laughs) you're like, (laughs) this is feeling kind of awkward. And he goes, no. Now, I want you to look at me. And Dr. Brad Strait, great professor, brilliant man, wonderful man. But honestly, I want to go, okay, this is awkward. Like, you're making it almost uncomfortable. And he's like, look at me. Do you know you're God's favorite? It was probably 60 seconds, and it was awkward. Yeah. He moves to the student next to me, and he goes, Rachel, do— And all of us were like, Okay, this is kind of a trip. He backs up after doing that with every single student, and he goes, today we're going to talk about the infinite character of God's unconditional love. Every single one of you are God's favorites. That is not hyperbolic, because we have a God who is infinite in character, and He has chosen to set His affection on us. There is no second-born. There is no lesser than. There is no Jew. There is no Gentile. If you've put your hope in Jesus, you are His favorite. That's Chronicles. Ooh, was the class over right then? Because that would have I mean, been it like, been. I'm going to need a minute. It could have been. I had happy, leaky eyes then, yeah. too. But, you know, sometimes I just can't hang on to spiritual truths. They're like wet soap. I can't quite get mm. it. And so I'm sure you've got people who read Chronicles and go, okay, I know I'm supposed to be inspired, mm-hmm. but I'm not really very yeah. inspired. Yeah. So to kind of get the almost the VH1 behind the music, yeah. and you go, oh, <laughs> wow, this isn't this isn't a census. Yeah. This is him putting his hands on the face of his people going, do you remember you're my favorite? Yeah. This All is, of them. All of them. This Every is Isaiah 43. One of them. I have yes. called you by name. That's right. You That's are right. mine. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 Huh. There's no, how did you put it? Second class. There's no junior varsity. Junior yeah. varsity. No second class. No second yeah. son. Which is, I think, also evidenced in the times, like as I'm reading through, it's like I have a little flag that goes up every time a daughter is mentioned oh, or a wife oh, is my mentioned heaven, yes. and their names. And I'm like, because we know, and you just explained how the generations, it's passed down through the right. sons, through the sons, well, through the sons. But and the this times. Is, yes, this is pointing us to where Paul says, yeah. uses non-gender specific language when he says, you are all the firstborn, you're all heirs. Yes. Because if Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, which means he's the of all things, yes. you are adopted in as firstborn. Yes. You're not passed over. You get everything. That's, again, every time you read a genealogy, that's what he's trying to say is you are so significant because we miss it. Yeah, We miss that in Christ, we're firstborns. Yes. Yes. I mean, Galatians 3.28 Yep. In 29, we'll read it on Friday. There's no Jew or Greek, slave or free, right. male That's or good. female, since you are all one That's right. in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. And so in that, we get, you know, it's this reminder, just like Chronicles reminds us, we are one God's people, unified, gathered from all the places That's right. that we've been exiled to, and that we are each individually His. His. And heirs, mm-hmm. firstborn sons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we've got something to do. Yeah. 
that's the thing, too, in Chronicles. He reminds them of their calling. Mm. First, he reminds them how, <laughs> how they're his. Yeah. But it's identity and it's calling. It's I love you. You're my favorite. And I've given you something to do for kingdom purposes. You know, we've got a lot of people in our culture that I think are just almost lost because they have no purpose. And I'm like, if God has set his affection on you, baby girl, young man, you have no idea how amazing it's going to be to run hard in your gifts for kingdom purposes. And he reminds them of that. Here's what you did in the temple. Mm -hmm. Here's what I've given you to do. Here's what I want you to do with the people. Mm -hmm. You get to open the door every time somebody comes into worship, and I'm going to say your name because you're the gatekeeper. You're the one who gets to get everything ready for worship. You're the one who gets to, you know, there's a guy in here who bakes the bread. Yeah, One of the Levites, I mean, I want that job because I love Mm -hmm. me some carbs, baby. I think keto is non-biblical. But there's a guy in here (laughs) who's singled out. Don't you know that sometimes people just, they took the bun and they didn't even say hello. Didn't even make eye contact. And God knows the baker's name and affirms him. I love that he reminds him of their identity as Mm -hmm. his beloved. And then he says, I've given you something to do. Yeah. 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 So that is... Lent. <laughs> that is First Chronicles. Like that is what we are going. I mean, even like as you said, like that we have something to do. We talk about you know people going like, well, I don't have a big ministry, that kind of yeah. a thing. If you are in Christ, if you are a believer, right, you have a ministry. You have a huge ministry. Huge ministry. It may be with a cubicle next to you, Mm -hmm. and that's a person who's God's favorite, and Mm -hmm. they don't know it yet. That Mm -hmm. is a huge Without exception. Yeah. You have a ministry if you are a believer. And I think Mm -hmm. that, like, I hope that invites us. Mm -hmm. I hope that calls us up to who we are and who He sees us to be. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to just confess to our listeners, we had two hours to record this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We used an hour and a half to minister to one another and pray for one another. And I needed it. Thank you. And we hit record with about 25 minutes to spare. So we're well over time right now. But we prayed again, as we realized that we were out of time, Amanda prayed that the Lord would multiply this conversation and the time and that the Spirit would be in it. And I just want to give thanks for that. Yeah. Thank Thank you, you. Jesus. Because He did. He multiplied it and He gave us exactly what we needed. And I pray exactly what those that are listening needed Mm -hmm. to be Mm -hmm. encouraged toward Scripture Mm -hmm. and more than that, Mm -hmm. toward their Maker, toward the one that calls them by name. To know that today they are God's favorite. And listen who He is. This is our benediction today as we close out. This is a passage that the community is going to memorize together over the course of the next seven weeks. It's First Chronicles 29, 11 through 13. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty for mm. everything in the heavens and on earth belongs to you. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom and you are exalted as head over all. Mm-hmm. Riches and honor come from you and you are the ruler of everything. Power and might are in your hand, and it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Mm. Amen Amen. and amen. Well, friends, welcome to week one of Lent. Get started. We're all going to do this together. Week two, we're coming back next week with Kristen Ainsworth, and we will get you going for week two of reading. But until next week, Lisa, first of all, I can't thank you enough. I love you, and I'm so grateful for you. You are our favorite. (laughs) (laughs) And we do not have infinite. (laughs) This is true. Um, But also until next week, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. 